Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. Uh, today, actually, as I say, every week is a special guest. Well, every guest is a special guest, but uh, this one is particularly special in that uh, she's uh, she's one powerful lady. I'll tell her, tell her that now. And uh, uh, of course, this is Juliana Blackwell. She heads up NGS. And so, you know what? Let's start there. Juliana, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for inviting me to join you today, Tim. I'm happy to give you a little overview of how I got to be where I am today and uh, hopefully be able to tell you a little bit more about what NGS is doing in the future. Um, first of all, let me start out with how I started with this organization. Um, I began my professional career with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which NGS is a part of, as an officer in the Commission Corps that NOAA has. A lot of people don't know that NOAA has one of the nation's eight uniformed services that um, are responsible for uh, commanding their ships and performing research and working on the aircraft and the mission that, that NOAA has for providing science and service to the nation. So I really started with NOAA um, thinking about just what a great career it would be to be involved in science and and have all these adventures and be able to do all sorts of things air land and sea and so when i started um, the first assignment i had was on board a ship the noah ship Farrell, where i did a lot of research work and it wasn't until i was getting close to the end of my first assignment where i started looking for what i was going to do next for my my land assignment that i discovered this group called the national genetic survey and I really didn't know what that was all about, but I started looking into it and was able to talk to uh, some of the officers that worked within NGS at the time and got to learn more about what uh, geodesy was all about. And I was drawn to it immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. And part of the reason is because when I uh, went to college, I majored in math. I've always loved numbers. I've always loved science. And I've always loved being outdoors. And so when I saw this opportunity to, to uh, apply for a position or assignment uh, with NGS to combine all those things, um, I thought, what a, what a great opportunity. Nice. So um, the, the next assignment I took was with the National Geodetic Survey and doing uh, field work uh, on a GPS uh, field party. Um, and that lasted oh, probably about 18, 20 months or so, where I was able to go out and uh, actually get uh, get real world experience with uh, survey data. So let me let me pause there for a minute and see if uh, you have any other specific questions about that. Oh no, that's fascinating because you know, unfortunately, I think there's this I won't say the stigma, but I think, that, I think there's this general belief because I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people that 
even myself to think that, oh, well, he sits behind a desk. He looks at a computer. He's never been in the field. He has no clue what, what we're doing. And I, I got to believe that there's probably some of that stigma with, especially in a, in a governmental agency that you've been in the field, you've, you've helped do all of these things. And so you, it's not just a, an understanding you you've been involved with it. So, you know, that that's to me, that's very impressive that uh, that uh, you had that opportunity to go out in the field with with the crews as well. Yeah, we'll say that uh, my time out in the field was just invaluable. I spent, uh, like I said, about 20 months out doing work with GPS, differential leveling, also did um, some uh, calibrations of baselines, got my hands dirty doing a, a number of things. The one thing that I didn't experience was um, serving airports or doing gravity work. So those are the couple areas that um, I didn't really have the, the chance to do that, but I've certainly learned about it over the years. The, uh, the interesting thing about being out on the field crew was that I was the only woman at the time. It wasn't that I was ever, it wasn't the first woman out on, on the NGS survey crews by any means. Right. Um, but I will say that uh, of all the people that uh, taught me uh, how to run the instruments and what the importance was of, you know, how, how to do things right. Um, I was treated um, as an equal and I was treated uh, uh, with the utmost respect. And I, I'll say people went above and beyond to share their knowledge and um, how to do things right with me and to train people. And I think that that's been something that has stuck with me uh, over the years, not only with um, the folks in NGS that were out doing survey work, but everybody that I've met. I mean, everybody is dedicated to doing things, uh, doing things right, doing them the tried and true way and making sure that the information that they provide is um, accurate and precise and, and is delivered um, in the best way possible. So it's a, it's a profession and as well as um, just a, a state of mind that I think is really uh, unique to uh, the surveying group, uh, whether you're federal or private sector or, or wherever, um, I, I think everybody's got that same mentality, and I think that that's just a, a tremendous asset to the to the profession. Well, that's that's awesome, and I'm so glad to hear that that your time in the field in a predominantly male male uh, profession. Uh, you were treated with respect and as an equal because I think, unfortunately, yeah, there's so many op uh, so many times when it's not even just serving that we talk about um, women trying to to negotiate uh, being in male dominated fields. And we, we hear all the horror stories that I'm just so glad to hear of, of opportunities like yours that, you know what, it, this, this is a good, uh, good profession. Like you said, it is such a, a unique profession that uh, a lot of things to be able to to go out and enjoy. So um, any of those places you you were out in the field, any of them stand out as like, wow, that was like one of the coolest places I, I'd ever got to work on? There were a lot of unique places and I was really fortunate to be able to experience a lot of the work along the coast, both on the ships and on land uh, in my first seven years that I had with NOAA as a, as a commissioned officer before I um, before I was hired on as a civilian with the National Geodetic Survey, all of the coastal work was phenomenal in the sense that, you know, every place was a little bit different. And it really, and looking at either, um, you know, on the on the NGS side, uh, observing marks, uh, GPSing them, uh, doing recon, coming across 
marks that were set, you know, nearly 100 years ago um, and realizing just what what folks went through to, to get those marks in place at the time, you know, before there were roads and before there was uh, um, just the, the conveniences that we have today, establishing those marks and observing them, uh, you know, prior to GPS mm -hmm. uh, and just every mark seemed to be just like a little, a little, you know, return to, you know, thinking about history and thinking about how, how this was done to, to begin with, uh, within this nation. And I think that that just, you know, you, you can't not think about that when you recover a mark that was set in the early 1900s. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and just that, that sort of, um, feel, uh, has just stayed with me. So those, not a specific mark, but just, um, again, finding some of those, uh, those early marks uh, that were set. It's just something that uh, has never left me. Uh, I, I did most of my work on the East Coast and the Eastern part of the United States. Uh, many of the many of the things that I did were having to do with GPS observations more so than a differential leveling. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting to think about the different places that I went where there's a bit of a challenge to get to or to recover a mark. Uh, but nothing, nothing, not one particular place sticks out for me. The most unique monument that I have, the most unique survey point that I have ever been to is the Washington Monument. And I say that not because the Washington Monument itself is, is nearby to me and, and something that I can visit uh, frequently. It's the fact that when I, when I mean the Washington Monument, I mean the tip of the Washington Monument. I was actually able to go up and put my finger on the tip of that um, back when there were repairs underway after the earthquake in 2011. And scaffolding was in place and the National Geodetic Survey worked with the National Park Service uh, to get permission to uh, resurvey the top of the Washington Monument and update wow. the coordinates and the, and the height. <laughs> Wow. So there was a very small team of us that were able to go up there, take the construction elevator up and uh, climb up the outside of the Washington Monument up to the apex. Uh, and everything was you know, very safe. But uh, we're up there uh, looking out over the, the Washington, uh, D.C. area and uh, having a great time putting our finger on the top of that Washington Monument. That had not to something been... many people can do. Oh, exactly. That had to have been surreal to be up there and I mean, obviously it's the Washington monument, but um, you're right. The, the, the amount of people that have been up there to be able to do that, you could probably, you know, very, very low count. So yeah, um, I'm jealous. Boy, am I jealous. That's, uh, that's really cool. Um, I like I, said that was my best day ever as the director of NGS. Oh, heavens. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh no, I'm seriously jealous. That's really cool. Um, I'm going to throw a little bit of an audible here because based upon your experience um, with NOAA, with NGS, and working along the East Coast, recently the, the Digital Coast Act was passed. And from your perspective between NGS and NOAA, I mean, how important is it from a governmental view that we do have the funds and the ability to uh, update our, our coastal maps and and have uh, have this critical data gathered for 
being able to monitor what's what's going on on our shores. I must say it's one of the most important things to me and to our organization to be able to have that information collected, uh, to be accurate, and to be kept up to date. And I think that we've seen over the years where you know we're able to do collections of data, you know, coastal data, inland data, geodetic data, um, but to be able to do that in a way that it is fresh. Um, and is consistent with the national framework, i.e. the National Spatial Reference System, mm -hmm. and that the data is, is available to all to use because we want to encourage that. We, we want everyone to be able to have access to the data that's being provided by the federal government to make the most use of it and to keep that data as, as fresh and up-to-date as possible. So we really appreciate the opportunity to, to partner with other federal, state, and local entities so that when we're looking at, um, at adding information or collecting data in a new place, that we're doing it uh, jointly and collaboratively. So, and, and again, making that data available is a critical aspect of it. It doesn't do anybody any good if, they, uh, if it's not available to, to the public. So, you know, within NGS and with all the federal agencies that are collecting geospatial data, uh, that's just um, a critical aspect of it is to be able to partner and to make uh, make the most of the information that's being collected and to keep it fresh. Exactly. Well, and I, I, I'm glad to have the opportunity to ask you that because I've had several of my contemporaries ask me in the last few weeks with you know the the the, the public or or publicizing that the Digital Coast Act was was passed and NG, and uh, NSPS was involved and people are, have asked me well, what is the big deal and uh, you know for me to say it you know and and along the lines of what you just said absolutely I guess it's great to hear that from your perspective and especially someone that has been out in the field been up and down that coast you see see what this data means. Um, and how important that really is to have the backing and the legislation to be able to, to provide that information. Between that and, and the Geospatial Data Act, which is also, you know, along the same lines of collecting data to certain standards, you know, uh, accepted standards, and sharing that information, that, that's something that NGS continues to strive for. As you know, you know, we're continuing to update our, um, the National Spatial Reference System. Uh, one of the reasons why this is extremely critical is because that we know that the datums that we currently use in the United States are, are out of date. Uh, they were developed, um, defined and developed before, you know, GPS was really the, the tool to use for surveying. And so we've been working for the past several years uh, down the, going down this path to update the, the current datums and replace them with a modernized national spatial reference system and datums that will be much more usable using GPS and GNSS technology mm -hmm. and give people the more accurate information related to heights that uh, that you're able to achieve with um, GNSS and an improved uh, geoid model, which will become the basis for our geopotential datum. So there's a lot going on, and the reason that we're, that we're doing all this work is because we know that uh, we know the technology has driven um, driven this course of, of being able to position more accurately and faster than ever before. And that's not going to stop. That's going to continue to accelerate. And, you know, in the U.S. as well as um, throughout the, the globe, 
the reliance on positioning is only going to continue to increase and it's not going to be just on land it's going to be uh unmanned systems and and utilizing you know technology to the best of its ability to uh, position things and to move things from place to place land sea and air and we really need to have a um, accurate consistent national spatial reference system that will support that in the future so we've got uh, a lot underway right now we're updating our datums we're updating the, the database we're updating the way people will submit data to ngs uh, we are working hard at doing outreach and education to uh, make others aware of what's happening Unfortunately, we had a, a setback with being able to collect some of the critical data for, with our gravity for the redefinition of the American Vertical Datum, or GRAVD for short, right. uh, initiative. So we've been, we're, we're behind a little bit uh, where we'd like to be. So rather than rolling out the modernized NSRS in 20, at the end of 2022, it's going to be delayed a couple of years at least until we can get that data collected and get all the other projects aligned to support support the modern NSRS. So we're working on it, but it's gonna, it's gonna take a little bit longer. So the good news is that gives uh, the public and surveyors uh, an opportunity to, um, to come along with us and give us feedback along the way as we roll out beta pro products and uh, provide updates on what we're doing so that if there are things that, uh, that you want to see done differently or have questions about, we would love to be able to get that feedback and be able to incorporate that as we move our projects and our our NSRS into uh, into the the final stages. And so there's there's time for that, but there's also a great time to get uh, to learn more about it and help us uh, help the public and help the surveying community uh, transition to a new just a new geopotential datum and terrestrial reference frames in the future. Yeah, that's been the fun thing about um, helping NGS and, and with, with NSPS and, and, and talking to other uh, survey professionals and just trying to explain, especially to, to some that, that maybe aren't quite up on the technology as much as they probably should be and talking about uh, plates moving and have all these things and they're like, I just want to go do my survey, and they're like, "No, no, no. We, this is this is very important." And uh, you know, you know, I think back to early in my career, and if you would have suggested to me that eventually we were going to have satellites that could measure and monitor so much more data uh, more effectively than any uh, static monuments, I, I just you'd have to laugh. You'd go, "No, that's not possible." But uh, you guys have made the made the impossible possible and uh uh it's it has been a i know it's been a kind of a labor of love making this this new system uh, uh coming coming through and we'll get there we'll get there so we will. yes we will um well i appreciate what you said about all the stuff ngs is doing because you know i'm it's also good to get the listeners ready because um in the week or two after uh this this interview with you we're going to have Mr. Galen Scott on to give us, you know, the, you know, more of what's going on specifics with some of those programs. And, uh, you know, what talking to him and going back and forth uh, with him on some of these subjects, he's like a kid in a candy store. I just, I just, he's, he's fun to deal with. So I'm looking forward to doing that as well. So, you know, it's really great. Uh, you've got a great staff there and uh, um, well, it, it's got, it's got to be, I mean, yes, it's work, but it's, it's, 
it's got to be somewhat satisfying the things that you get to do for the government that is benefiting the public and professionals like like the surveying profession. It's a pleasure to work with the group at the National Geodetic Survey. They are extremely passionate, extremely knowledgeable about their area of, of, of expertise and very dedicated. I, I am very blessed to be able to be a part of the organization and, and to be an honor to be the director of such a, a fine group. I, I know that they're going to continue to work hard to get the modernized NSRS rolled out as soon as possible, but we're not going to do it until we know it's right. And that's one of the things that I think we've realized over the years in order to make make things right, to make it the, the easiest transition as possible. We need to take our time. We need to bring our stakeholders with us and make sure that we don't cut any corners and that we we serve all geographies when we do this. We don't just say, OK, well, we're going to do CONUS and, and not worry about those other areas out in the Pacific or Alaska. We're, we're going to make sure that when we roll this out, that we are serving everybody in the U.S. and its territories. And the staff at, at NGS are very dedicated and committed to making sure that that happens. And if it takes a little longer, then it takes a little bit longer. And we will continue to work hard to, to make it happen and uh, do the best job that we possibly can. That's good. I mean, that's something that, you know, the old adage, my, my father just kept instilling in me, measure twice, cut once. Well, hey, if you got to measure twice, three times, you're, you're going to get it right because this is a big endeavor. Um, and I, I applaud I applaud you and your staff and then and, and the, uh, the entire group of, of taking this on, because I know it's been a, a kind of a long thing coming and uh, it's been a lot of hard work, but it'll be well worth it. Um, a question I guess I have is um, in putting all of this together, what other worldwide agencies have you, do you have to deal with as far as we're doing this? So how it fits in with any other relationships to any uh, reference frames? That's a great question. First of all, we've been working very closely with our, our Canadian colleagues at the Canadian Genetic Survey. Yes. And uh, that's been a, a long ongoing relationship with them, as well as our colleagues uh, in Mexico. And as we, as we thought through the replacement of NAVD 88, we really wanted to make sure that we were bringing our neighboring um, uh, countries um, into the discussion and work with them. And hopefully what we would like to do is have truly um, a, a vertical datum, a geospatial, a geopotential datum that will serve us all so that we don't have changes at the border uh, where we have to switch between uh, vertical datums. And so the, the relationship with Canada, with Mexico, has been terrific. Uh, we continue to, to work with those groups very closely. Uh, but above and beyond that, uh, we are part of um, the, the United Nations Global Geospatial Information Management um, Initiative that's focusing on a global geodetic reference frame and how we're all trying to come together uh, to, internationally to work on one global reference frame for the for all and we can develop our own national systems but as long as they relate back to the, the global the global reference frame then we can all 
compare our information and and work together well, uh, genetically speaking. One of the coolest things is being at the UN in New York and being there in, in the assembly hall and listening to everybody talk about geodesy, um, because this is something that comes up um, you know, on an annual basis when we're when we're meeting to talk about societal benefits and what's, you know, where the different areas are that we're going to focus on, um, you know, as the UN and as a um, one. I'm not the. I don't speak for the U.S., but I'm one of the um, subject matter experts that uh, attends these meetings to hear the passion that everybody has from all these different countries talking about the importance of a a global genetic reference frame and how we're going to get there. So I, that's just, it's just really cool to me to just to be in that, to be in the United Nations building and, and to have, to hear so much about geodesy. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's just a, it's just a wonderful feeling. Um, and hopefully the, that uh, it gets leaked out into more than just the, the, the UN discussions, that it becomes something that becomes more of a household, uh, uh, science and, and understanding, but I think we have a little bit ways, a little bit of a way to go there before that that happens. Yes, yeah, we do a little bit. Um, yeah, and and I I do appreciate just listening to your passion there. I mean, I wanted to say you know a little bit of your techno geek is 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 leaking out there, which was really cool because, like you said, that's that's a world stage, but that's something that obviously you're very versed in and you're very passionate about, and uh, that's I mean. That's your wheelhouse, and that's your that's what you're there to talk about. Which is, like I said, it's got to once again, that's got to be another really really great feeling to be part of that. So, Absolutely. yeah, and I th that's the thing. I don't think people get it that it's just oh, we're just coming up with a new coordinate system for the United States and blah. No, there's this such a bigger picture that uh, I don't think a lot of people. I won't say necessarily give you credit, but they don't think about all of the factors that go into what NGS is trying to do, putting together this new reference frame. There's just so much. Well, and it, it is quite invisible to, to most folks in the sense that, that you know, it doesn't directly um, show up in their, their line of business. But when we think about how we are all connected uh, across the globe, how do you position things? How do you reference things? And if everybody's doing it differently, then we can't speak to each other as to what's changing and what's not changing or how much things are changing over time. And so we're not going to stop plate tectonics and we're not going to necessarily um, be able to to define everything, you know, to the millimeter accuracy. But if we don't have a common global reference frame to to base all of our different measurements on, then we're never going to we're never going to advance globally and comparing, you know, how things are changing over time. So when we look at things related to climate or, or sea level change, you know, how do we compare those things if, if everybody is doing their own system and not relating it to one master system, one, one international way of speaking to positioning? And, you know, technology keeps improving. So we're going to, uh, we want to be the best at what we do and we want to be able to contribute to the international terrestrial reference system and we want to make sure that what we do for the nation is tied to that exactly and that's what we're working on well good good because that's you know at the end of the day um 
having these reference frames talk to each, you know, being able to be interconnected, understanding each other. I mean, that that's not politics. That's just simple uh, physical world that, yes, you're right, that uh, we want to be able to have that relationship with other countries, other continents, other nations. And uh, um, it's very important that we we basically get along we play well in the sandbox with everybody else that that uh that every like you said everything comes together that we're not uh we're not talking literally different uh geographic languages basically so that's right it's it's good science and it's good uh good geodesy and being able to relate uh, what we're doing with um with the world and uh work work on all these things together exactly Exactly. Well, you know what? We're right up against time. And I just, like I said, I appreciate uh, you coming on and, and sharing uh, some of these things. One, I tell you what, I do want to ask you one more thing that um, the, the, the road you've taken to get to your position, um, if you were thrown in front of a, a, a high school class and had to give a 60 second, basically elevator speech on on where you're at and what it takes to to get into anything that's geospatial, um, what what would your 60 second uh, elevator speech be? If you're interested in math, science, technology, knowing where things are, knowing where things are going to be, thinking about transportation, thinking about automation, thinking about uh, environmental, um, any of those things within your your passion, then there's a place for you in geospatial, there's a place for you in using your passions and your skills in sciences and areas that you're probably not even aware of yet. But there is so much out there that where you can apply math, you can apply science, you can apply passion to uh, a number of issues that just keep looking and talking to people about different areas and and doors will start to open as to different career opportunities that you can investigate to be a part of more of the geospatial revolution in a sense of how everything is tied to knowing where things are and the technology is also just exciting i think that gets people's young people's attention too is is being able to learn very quickly about new technology and advance it in ways that uh, I could never even imagine. But we're, that's the direction we're going, and we're going there at an accelerated uh, speed, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really a blend of, of bringing all those things together, math, science, technology, and wedding appetite for young people to get them, get them to see that the, the doors are wide open for them and they can make this world uh, even better than it is today. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the reason she's the director. I mean, that's was uh, she she nailed the elevator speech. I mean, that's as that's as um, that's as complete as I've I've heard. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's having role models like you to show us what's possible and where places uh, anyone can go. Um, it's fantastic. And once again, I appreciate you being on. Appreciate you telling your story a little bit and uh, telling us what NGS is all about because I don't think. I think people go on the website, they look for benchmarks, they look for uh, reference monuments, they do, you know, a little opus here or there, but they don't really realize the people and the passion behind it. That uh, And there's a lot of passion behind what, what uh, everyone at NGS does. 
Thank you very much, Tim. It's been a pleasure and the people are the passion behind it. And um, I can't give enough credit to the folks at NGS for all that they do every day. Thank you very much for recognizing us. Oh, you bet. Anytime. We, we will be in, we'll be talking to you again very soon. So thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.